Can you please turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2, and the verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I'll take it again. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Hallelujah. Tell someone he saves for a purpose. Hallelujah. Tell yourself, I'm saved for a purpose. Can we share a word of prayer? Father, we thank you. We give you praise, glory, and honor. That the entrance of your word of God bring light. Understand. May we be that, though, that people that walk according to purpose. That rejoice in your salvation. Because of the purpose for which you saved us. We worship you, Lord. We honor you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We often talk about being saved, having salvation, having a savior. But oftentimes... It just ends there. Most people do not understand why they are saved or for what reason they are saved. So when there is no understanding of why we are saved, often the salvation is just salvation. I am, I am saved. And then that's it. But God has a greater purpose for salvation. The God we serve, we know, is a God of purpose. I can put it this way. The purpose of being saved is for you to fulfill purpose. Praise God. The purpose for your salvation is a purpose of your, for, your, for your life. In Luke chapter 2, the verse 11, which we've just read, which I want to emphasize as we go back into it again. If you, if you don't mind, just bring your attention to Luke chapter 2, verse 11 again. Jesus saves us, or Jesus saves you, so you can fulfill God's purpose for your life. You've been saved. Or he saved. I wouldn't say you've been saved. But rather he saves you. For you to fulfill. God's purpose. For your life. Salvation is not just. For enjoyment. That probably is the third or fourth Product, byproduct, I would say. But the primary reason God saves, saved, and is saving and will save tomorrow is so you will fulfill purpose. To do this, I just want to focus on three things in this text. And it is this. First, the text says, For unto you is born 
this day in the city of David. So unto you is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Which is Christ the Lord. Now the first question unto I want to ask this morning is this. When he says unto you, who is the angel or who is God addressing? It's unto you. Is born this day in the city of David a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Unto you, who is God addressing? Clearly, we can see that the angel was speaking to the. But we can also understand in from Luke chapter 1 and the verse 69, which I want to read quickly. Luke 1 verse 69. And we would also read Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. In Luke 1 verse 69, it reads, And has raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And has raised up for us an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And if you come to Matthew you come to Matthew chapter 1 and the 21st verse, Matthew 1, 21. It reads, it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and, thou shalt, and, show, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name, Jesus, for he shall deliver his people from their sins. So from this scriptures, we get to understand that, that the scriptures promises a savior to the Jewish people. He has raised for us a horn of salvation in the house of He has raised up for us an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And here in Matthew, he's talking about he's being saving his people from their sins. So we understand he's, to, he's referring to the Jewish community that God has raised for them a house, uh, a savior. Praise God. And also in Isaiah chapter 9, the verse 6. Isaiah 9, verse 6 which we read, praise Jesus. Isaiah 9 verse 6, please come with me. Uh, I would like you to do a, a few Bible studies this morning. Isaiah chapter 9 and the 6th verse. Praise Jesus. In Isaiah 9 and the 6th verse, we have these. He says, for unto us, a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, praise God. And upon the kingdom to order it. So here we see that we are speaking about someone born to the kingship of Israel. Hallelujah. So clearly we understand or we can see that we are talking about a king appearing in Israel as the savior of these people of God. If the Bible in Luke chapter, two, if, if Luke 
in his second chapter is talking about this king who is coming to Israel to save his people, then we would have expected that the announcement that is being made to these shepherds should have been announced in the palace of Herod. Because in Luke 1 verse 5, which we read last week, we learned that Herod is a king of Judea. So if there's any announcement about a king, then Herod should have been the one receiving this. Basically, it should be announced because when, when, when emperors and when young emperors are born, or those dignitaries are born, the announcement is usually made, you know, in those high quarters. And you would have expected that. But here we have, we have the angel addressing shepherds. Very interesting. These shepherds, they are not the rich in society. If you want the rich in society, shepherds are the last group you want to go to. But here the angel appears to these shepherds. Ah, we understand this better when we look at Mary's song. Mary's song once again in Luke chapter, 40, uh, chapter 1 and the 46th verse. In the 46th verse, Mary sings a song. Mary's song is this. My soul does magnify the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he, for he has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For, behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty has done me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Hallelujah. Amen. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their imagination of the heart. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. So here we see Mary lifting up a, a song. And in this song, he makes us, she makes it very, very clear that God has come to lift the, the lowly. He has come to lift the hungry. He has come to lift the poor. And Mary is singing. Why is Mary singing this song? Because he is, she is a very young lady, about 15 years of age, very, very poor, lowly, married to a, or just about to get married to a carpenter. And it is her that the Lord has come to show this favor. God has shown interest in her and she considers it and think, hmm, what kind of a God is this? Now I've come to tell you that this is the God Luke is presenting to us and throughout and all throughout Luke you will see that this is the kind of God Luke is presenting that while the pagans you know they they glory in how wonderful their gods are and how their gods are exalted in the lives of the prominent high and mighty Luke is saying the God of the Bible is a God of the low poor, hungry, the undignified, the social outcast, those who think that they, those who feel and or are made to feel that there is nothing that, that they can offer to society. He says, this is the God of the Bible. And it is to these people he interests himself. So, who is this angel addressing when he says unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior 
who is he referring to? Praise God. I would like to say to you that Luke is not saying that, or we are not saying God is against the rich. But what we are saying is that, they, or what Luke is saying is that the, the rich have always enjoyed prominency. And they are always the ones that have all the advantages. But God, who is a just God, when he appears, he appears and he lifts up the poor. He lifts up the, he, he lifts up the lowly from the married clay and puts the lowly on a rock to stand. Those that have got nothing to boast about, he lifts them up. He lifts all up. He does not ignore the rich, but he calls all men. So here, who is the angel referring to us unto you? I'll say to you, he's referring to the low and the mighty. Hallelujah. But before I go any further, I want to bring your attention to also to a text in, in the Luke chapter 2, the verse 10. The verse 10. Let's have a look there before we go any further. In Luke 2 verse 10, he says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to who? All people. Also come with me to the verse 30. Luke 2 verse 30. In the same chapter. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Hallelujah. So here we see very clearly that he is, when, he says, when he says unto you, who is he referring to? He is referring to both Jews and Gentiles. He's referring to both low and mighty. He's referring to rich and poor. He's referring to, to those that have no strength and to those who, have, who are full of might. I want to say to you today that he's referring to almost everyone, including you. He's referring to everyone, including you. And I've come to say he's referring actually to you. You. Unto you. This message is to you. That unto you is born or has been born in the city of David a savior. Indicating that God has you in mind. Indicating that God has an interest in you as a person. You say me, yes, you, including you. Hallelujah. You, God has an interest in your person as you listen right now. That God is addressing you and no other person but you. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Now, why is God addressing you? He's saying the address is this. That a savior has been born for you. A savior. So if you've been thinking that you are one defenseless individual walking on the face of the earth. God is saying to you today that you are not. Because unto you has been born a savior. He is not saying that some, someone that you must go and Pay something because today we find many people paying for certain things so that they can have certain, you know, bodyguards around them and all the back. God is saying unto you, a savior is born. That means born specifically for you. For your circumstance, for your condition, for your life, for wherever you find yourself, a savior has been born for you. If you agree with me and believe this, you want to strike your chest and say, a savior has been born for me. A savior, a savior has, been, has born been born for me. me. Hallelujah. A savior. A savior. 
born for you. Now, the other question I want to ask is, what is the Savior like? Because Luke just says, a Savior has been born for you. And then in the verse 12, he says, the sign you would know that this Savior is born is that he'll be wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. So what does it tell me about the Savior? What is the Savior like? What is he really going to do? Savior. Savior. What is the Savior like? Now, the, the word in the New Testament, the understanding of the word Savior comes from the Old Testament. So I'm going to go back to the Old Testament to really explain what this word Savior means. Praise Jesus. Now, the... Savior, the word Savior actually come, or the word Savior and salvation, they have the same root meaning. Savior, salvation. So if you find me talking about salvation and Savior, I see it is is one thing, this is the reason. Because a Savior is someone who saves. (laughs) A Savior brings salvation. And salvation comes from a Savior. So the two, they have the same root meaning. Now it comes, the word savior or salvation comes from two pictures. One is a sharp teeth. A sharp teeth as to devour, to bite, to destroy. And the other, and the next picture or the second picture is an eye. An eye to watch. So when you combine these two pictures, you get destruction watcher. So basically, someone who watches against coming destruction. So a savior is someone who watches against any destroyer destruction or damage that may come to what interests him. Now, oftentimes, this word savior is referred to, uh, is applied to shepherds. That a shepherd, uh, shepherds watching over their flocks. These shepherds are usually called saviors or are referred to as that. Why? Because they are always on the lookout for any form of danger, destruction, that may come to their flock. And when they spot the danger, they move in and get rid of the danger or the destruction coming against their flock. So when God says that this day is born for you, a savior, God is saying that there is born for you one who watches over you to make sure that no destruction or no destroyer comes around you. And if it comes, and if it dare comes, he steps in for you. This is what God is talking about. Well, this is what God is saying to you today. And a savior, one who steps in, one who steps in to fight or, or to ward off destructions and and destroyers against you. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, as we look at this word Savior, as you think about it, as you think about this word Savior, you also would understand that Savior could also be extended to mean someone who brings enlargement. Oh, you can say salvation always brings you enlargement. But let me take it from the point of view of Savior. That Savior brings you into enlargement. Enlarges your territory where you occupy. When a Savior comes in, it enlarges. Now, watch it. Watch watch this. When there's danger around you and you sense danger, what do you do? You coil in. You close the windows. 
you basically withdraw. If you've got your things hanging about, what do you do? You pull them all to your side, trying to protect everything, so you are, you are stuck in a little corner somewhere. So, when danger or destroyers come around, they confine you to a little space. But when the Savior steps in, comes in, wards of the enemy, what happens is that you now release everything that you have. You spread yourself around. So a Savior eventually, you know, brings enlargement into your life. Enlargement. So this is the understanding that when the Bible talks about a Savior, we need to have. Someone who comes on the scene to deal with the destroyers, the destruction around you so that you can have a large territory to operate. Hallelujah. Amen. Is someone hearing me so far? Yes. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. A savior, a savior brings enlargement. Now, this is the kind of understanding David had when he said something like, the Lord is a horn of my salvation. Come with me to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, please. 2 Samuel, verse 20. Uh, 2 Samuel, chapter 22. 2 Samuel 22. Praise the Lord. 2 Samuel 22. In 2 Samuel 22, it reads, And David spake, these, uh, spake unto the Lord the words of the song, in the day that the Lord delivered him, yeah? the Lord delivered him out of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock. And my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my rock, in him will, will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My high tower. He's my high tower, my refuge, my savior. Thou saved me from violence. So when he says that, and the word horn, we understand the word horn means strength. So when he, so, so when he said that you are the horn of my salvation, he, he was basically saying you are the strength of my salvation. If your salvation is weak, what have you got? The thing that, that, that wards all the danger and the destruction around you is weak then what really have you got? Nothing. But David said, hey, I have you, the horn. you are the horn. You are the strength of the salvation I have. That means my salvation, my deliverance, you know, the, 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 the assurance that the destruction will not overtake. The assurance that the destroyer will not have his way. The assurance that I will not be confined to this corner is sure, is solid, is mighty. This is what God is saying to you today. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. And you see, David further on, if you look at verse 33 of the Psalm, of, sorry, of the second Samuel 22 and the verse 33. David also makes this thing very clear. Come with me to the verse 33 of second Samuel 22. That you see when God, the, the salvation that God brings or the salvation God is talking about also brings enlargement. He says, God is my strength and power. He maketh my way perfect. That is, he maketh my way good. He maketh my feet like hinds feet. 
and setteth me upon my high places. Are you with me so, so far? He teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by my arms. Praise God. Now, as you are reading about David, I want you to put yourself there because God is speaking to you. He said, unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior. And we are talking about God's salvation. And here David is describing God's salvation. He's saying that by my, you know, by, he teaches my hands to war. So a bowl of steel, you know, David was a military man. So he's speaking in military terms. You, you might not be a military person. So you might have to speak in a different language. But the concept is clear that when a bow of steel comes around me to destroy, it's broken by my hand. Where do you find yourself? What environment, what is the arrow that is thrown against you, that your hand, that you can also confidently say, this thing is broken by my hand. He says, thou hast also given, verse 36, thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy gentleness has made me great. Hello. It has made me great, not little. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me. Did you get that one? You have enlarged my steps under, under me so that my feet did not slip. You're giving me enough room, you know, to move. Earlier on, he says, you've made my feet like the, like the hind's feet. You know, the hind climbs very steep. He, I mean, Crevices, very, very steep places. But he's sure-footed. He doesn't slip. And he said, God makes it so. He makes my feet like the hind's feet. Sure-footed. 38. I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them and turned not again until I had consumed them. I have consumed them and wounded them that they could not arise. Yea, they are fallen under my for thou hast gathered me with strength to battle. Them that rose up against me hast thou subdued under me. Thou hast also given me the necks of my enemies that I might destroy them that hate me. They looked, but there was none to save, even unto the Lord, but he answered them not, because the Lord is my salvation. Not this. Praise God. Hallelujah. Then did I beat them as small as the dust of the earth, I did stamp them as the mare of the street, and they spread them abroad. Thou also hast delivered me from the strivings of my people. Thou hast kept me to be the head of the heathen, a people which I knew not shall serve me. Did you get that one? Thou hast also delivered me from the strivings of my people. When people are striving with me, with, with you, he said, you know what? You've delivered me from that one too. When people are striving with you, quarreling with you. You remember the 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 children of I the the the, the people of, of, of Isaac when they dug this well the enemies came and said well it is ours and they took it a anything that Isaac people put their hands in to do the people came and were striving with them it's like they will not leave you to have what is yours and God and David is here saying God makes sure that all those striving cease. I'm talking about the salvation of God. Hello. I'm talking about the salvation of God. And this is a man who has experienced the salvation of God. Strangers shall submit themselves unto me. Verse 45. As soon as they hear, they shall be obedient unto me. Strangers shall fade away and they shall be afraid out of their close places. The Lord liveth and blessed be my rock and exalted be the God of my salvation. It is God that avengeth me. 
and bringeth down the people under me. And, br and that bringeth me forth from my enemies. Thou also hast lifted me up above them that rose up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. And I will sing praises unto you. Praise the Lord God Almighty. So God, this is what the Lord does. This is a kind of salvation that the Lord brings his people. Now, when if you if you if you come back with me, please, to Luke chapter 2 and the verse 11 one more time. It says, For unto you is born this day. So we have understood what the you mean. The you is referring to you. And he says, It's born unto you in the city of David, a savior. A savior. A savior, as we, have, as we have understood, is someone who watches over you against destroyers and destructions or danger to make sure that you are safe from those dangers and also make sure that your feet is enlarged. Your territory is enlarged. Now the question is, why would God do that? Why? Is it because you've got a beautiful face? Is it, be, is it because you are tall? Is it because you are short? Is it because you are human? Why should God invest so much? You know, why, why? David asked this question. Why are you so mindful of me? Why? Why should God Almighty, the Alpha and Omega... The creator of the heavens and the earth. Why should the possessor of the whole universe be concerned about your salvation? Why should he be concerned that you be saved? Not just in, in years past. Oh, I'm, I've been saved in Christ. No, I'm talking about your salvation today and tomorrow. I'm talking about delivering you from the troubles that you go through. When I talk about salvation, I'm not talking about being saved from sin alone. Yes, that is, that is primary. That, that is very important that we are saved from sin. But I'm talking about all the deliverances. All the rescues. Spiritual and physical. Why should God be interested in saving you? Why should God... Be mindful of bringing you out of every challenge, every dangerous situation that you go into. Why should God be interested? Luke says, Luke describes something for us. He says, unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior. Then he goes on to describe the savior. This is the description. Which is... Christ the Lord. Which is Christ the Lord. Why does he take time to describe the Savior for us? Why? Why does he spend time doing this for us? To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Why does Luke take time to describe this for us? I want to bring your attention to something. The word Christ. What does, he, what does, what, what does the Bible mean by Christ? We all know we say Christ means the anointed one. Some will say the Messiah. Praise be to God. Now... First of all, come with me to Acts chapter 2, please. Acts 2, 36 and 17, verse 3. Acts 2, 36 and then Acts, Acts 17, verse 3. Acts. Acts 2, verse 36. To God be the glory. Hmm. God is good. Mm-hmm. Our God is good. Right. Acts 2.36 Therefore, I read, let all the house of Israel know assuredly 
that God has made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So who is the Christ? Hello, who is the Christ? Jesus. Acts 17 verse 3, please. Opening and alleging that Christ, Acts 17 verse 3, opening and alleging that Christ must indeed have suffered and risen from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. Okay, settled. So the Christ is who? Jesus. So he says to you, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ, the Lord. Who is Jesus Christ, the Lord. But why does he use this title? Why? Why does he take us through all this? And back to my question. Why does God want to save you? Why? The word savior or the word Christ, which we understand to mean the anointed one, the Messiah, you could actually say the word Christ also means, really, I mean, when you narrow it down, it means king, really, king. King, the anointed one. It means the consecrated one. And then in a more, a more simple, a more, a more simpler term, it means the appointed one. It means the one who has been appointed. It means the one who has been ordained. The one who has been set to do something. So, see, when you are set to do something, we call you the anointed one. God calls you the anointed one. Whenever God sets you to do something, he refers like Cyrus. God says, Cyrus, my anointed one. Because I've set Cyrus to build me a temple in Jerusalem. So, Cyrus becomes God's anointed, chosen, or chosen one. Praise God. Chosen who? One. So there's been born to us a savior who is Christ the Lord. <laughs> Glory be to God. Who is Christ the Lord? Christ the Lord. Amen. Amen. And I would also want to say to you, that this Christ we are talking about, according to Acts chapter 4, verse 12, he is unique in what he does. Hello. You know, Peter puts it this way. Neither is there salvation in any other. Acts 4, verse 12. For there is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. So when we are talking about the anointed one, we are talking about the appointed one, the chosen one, that there is none other that saves like he saves. Because when most people save or come to bring deliverance, they've got ulterior motives and agenda. But why does God save us? Or why does God save you? Why is God interested that in the next challenge you're going to go into, why would God want to deliver you? Of all the ones you've been in, why has God chosen, decided, purpose to make Christ's salvation available to you? Now come with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. In Genesis 3, 15, we know... Because the word Christ brings our attention to the appointed one, the chosen one, the anointed one, the one selected, the one set apart. Now, who is this one set apart or, or selected? Our attention goes immediately now to Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. Where after in, in the garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve have sinned against God and, and God comes on the scene and the, the you know, shifting of blame points, hands are pointed to this and that. What does God do? God says something. Say, hey, the seed of the woman will, will do what? Say, the seed of the woman, Genesis chapter 3 and the 15th verse. Let's go to it. Praise the Lord. He 
He said that the seed of the woman says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman. That's speaking to the serpent. Unto thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. The seed of a woman. A particular individual. One particular individual shall come. Called the seed of the woman. This one is what Israel, all, all the Jewish nation, have been waiting for. He was the very person that the prophets spoke about all throughout. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And then finally, he appears and the angel comes to the shepherds and say, Hey, unto you is born this day in the, in the city of David. A savior who is Christ the Lord. This is the one we are talking about. It still doesn't answer the question why God should save you. So I'm back to the question, why should God be interested in saving you and continue to save you? Why did God speak the way he spoke in Genesis 3 verse 15? Why? Because God had a plan for mankind. You were, man was created to live here on this earth to fulfill purpose. But that purpose is for what the enemy did in the garden by deceiving them, that purpose was messed up. But God said, I am bringing a savior. I'm bringing someone who crushed the head of the serpent, of the enemy. And when that is crushed, what has God intended to do? That man will now have room, have enlargement to fulfill the purposes of God. So the reason why we are saved, the reason why Christ come, has come is so that you, when you are saved from your sins, from your environment, from your condition, and from every other condition you might find yourself going into that God brings deliverance, it is so that you can have the liberty, the freedom, and the space to fulfill the purposes of God. Salvation is not so that we can feel so good and just sit down. Salvation is so you will fulfill the purpose of God for your life. For the one who is bringing the salvation is no other one but the Christ who was prophesied, who was promised right from Genesis. Here in Luke chapter 2, we see this Christ appear and manifest. And that is why the angel began in the verse 10 when he said that, hey, I bring to you Good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. This is not a national. This is this is not a national issue. This is not. This is nothing to do with Jewish, Gentile. This is for all humanity. Hallelujah! The purpose for salvation is so you will fulfill your God-given purpose in life. The reason why God saves you. The reason why God delivers you from any trouble you go into is so that you will fulfill his purpose for your life. You see, so when we talk about Christ as Savior, we are not talking about, oh, Savior, well, well, you're my Savior. I'm in this problem. Come and save me. I'm in that problem. Come and save me. And for some people, all they see Christ as Santa Claus. Santa Claus. He just comes in to just save, and then, he, and then when he saves you, oh God, save me, save me from my problem. No, the reason God brings salvation is so that you will fulfill purpose of God. Because he's the one that was promised in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. That purpose, that purpose. That your life's purpose, the reason why you were created will be fulfilled. You will fulfill that purpose. So he removes the, he makes sure he watches over you. Now the danger, the distractions. So why then do I have some of the challenges that I get? Oh, they're not a threat to his purposes. He knows you can stand. They're not a threat to his, because he's such a savior. 
He's such a he is the ultimate. He saves to the uttermost. Hebrew says he saves to the uttermost. That means he saves thoroughly. Thoroughly, thoroughly means he saves through and through. He saves clean. There is no blemish. There is no you know fault with his salvation. It's so excellent. So if he leaves something around, it means it is no threat. Hallelujah. So if you see things around you that seem to be troubling you, ignore them. Keep on going. Hallelujah. Keep on keeping on fulfilling purpose. If it will disrupt his work, he will eliminate it because he has been born unto you as Savior. I am saying to you that Christ has been born to you, for you. Your salvation is not in the east. Neither is it in the west. Neither is it somewhere. Your salvation is with you. Hallelujah. Your salvation is with you. But there's one thing we need to know about this salvation. One thing we, 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 we need to know. He is Christ the Lord. He is Christ the Lord. What does Lord mean? Lord means master. Hello? Lord means master. So the salvation, your savior is not so, someone you order about. This, your savior is someone who orders you about. He is Lord. Christ the Lord. The potentate. The power. The sovereignty. The mighty one. The great one. So he's the one that orders us about. We don't order him about. Because why? He is Lord, sovereign Lord, who saves you so you fulfill purpose. So when you're asking him to save you on anything, the question you've got to be asking yourself is, what am I asking him to save me so that I do? Is it just to be free? Or is it so that I will fulfill Fulfill the purpose. So is this thing hindering you from fulfilling your purpose in life? Yes, talk to him about it. He will save. And he saves to the uttermost. He is Lord. He is sovereign. Hallelujah. He is sovereign. He is sovereign. You see, and his salvation, his salvation requires that there, there be a relationship with him. His salvation requires relationship. Christ is not Santa Claus. I'm using the word Santa Claus because we are in this season where many people just call for Santa Claus to bring them good stuff. You know, oh, Santa Claus. So, so, so there is no, and the reason why many people, you are, you, you are, you, you'll be asking me, but what if, if Christ is so good and it's for, so for us to fulfill our purposes in life, why are many people responding to, to his salvation? Why are many people responding to, to other people who manipulate them? The reason is because they're not ready for the relationship. They want someone who just, you know, like, you want something from the grocery shop. Um, how much is it? Five pounds. And then go away. Bank manager, put my money there, take my money out. No relationship, but with Christ the Savior, the Savior of God, the salvation of God, the Savior of God requires a relationship with him. That is why this salvation begins with repentance. A person does not just come, just save me. Whoa, okay. Do you acknowledge me as Lord? Do you repent? Do you want to forgo this lifestyle that is against my ways? His salvation comes after repentance. Lord, save me. Okay. Confession. You confess me. You call upon me. And I'll come to you, to you. He is Lord. He is Lord. Listen to something that David says in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, the verse 17. 2 Samuel, verse 17. Uh, sorry, 2 Samuel 22. 2 Samuel 22, the verse 17. Samuel says, he sent from above, 
He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them that hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place. Again, yeah. He delivered me because he delighted in me. That is one thing about the Savior of God, about the salvation of God. You see, the Savior does not just save you. He saves you because he delights in you. Why? To fulfill purpose. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. Hello? Righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands has he recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God relationship. It requires a relationship with him. For all his judgments were before me. And as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also upright before him and have kept myself from my iniquity. I've kept myself from it. Hello. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness in, of my cleanness in his sight. In his eyesight, sorry. Praise God. So, this salvation that we are talking about requires a relationship. It's not just something that we just jump in and just take it. It requires relationship with him. God cannot be mocked. Some people just jump in and jump out. When they need him, they knock on his door. Save me. I've come one more time. Your handmaiden. Save me. You see, they can walk, they can walk a thousand miles and not bother about the Lord. But then when trouble strikes, they run back and say, oh, save me. They think that the salvation of God is just there for the taking. The salvation of God is in relationship. It requires relationship. Hallelujah. Amen. There is relationship. Praise God. The salvation of God requires relationship. And it requires faith. It requires trust. Amen? Amen? The salvation of God requires trust. He saves us. But there's something I want to leave you with today before I end here. In the prayer, this thing was mentioned, but I want to just bring this thing to your attention one more time before we leave this place today. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 14 and the 13th verse. The salvation of the Lord. So God saves you for one purpose. He saves you that you might fulfill purpose. Tell someone, he saves me so that I might fulfill purpose. Tell someone, tell someone. Or if there's no one near you, just speak to yourself and say, hey, hey, now I know God saves me so, I'll, so that I can fulfill purpose. Ah, hallelujah. Amen. Say to yourself, now I understand the purpose of God's salvation. He saves me so I can fulfill purpose. Hallelujah. Praise God. See, so every time I'm praying for salvation, I'm praying, God, save me from this. It means I am being freed so that I can fulfill, I can become more energized to fulfill my God-given purposes. The purpose for which I was created. This is the purpose of salvation. Freed to fulfill purpose. Enlarged to fulfill purpose. Glory be to God. Salvation is not just, oh, well, okay, I'm free. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. Saved for what? Saved for purpose. Saved to fulfill God's purpose for your life. But there's something I want us to understand before we leave this place. Hallelujah. You know, today. And it is this Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13. I read. To you from the King James Version. It reads like this. And Moses said unto the people. Fear ye not. Stand still. And see the salvation 
of the Lord, which he will show you to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. You shall see them again no more forever. And should I tell you something, some good news? Israel saw those Egyptians never again in all their lives. Never again. Some died before they got to the promised land. They never saw these, these people again. Some also got to the promised land. These, these people never saw these people again. Why? Because they were all buried in the Red Sea. And God is saying to you, fear not. Right now, you might be facing a very great challenge. You might be facing one of the challenges of life, of your life. You say, oh my goodness, how did I get myself into this challenge, this trouble, this, this situation? God is saying, fear not. But notice this. God is telling Israel at the Red Sea, fear not. The, 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 the circumstance in which God uses or gives out this command is very strange. Red Sea in front of us. Egyptians chasing us to, to do what? To come and give us um, the last goodies that we left in, in Egypt. No, 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 no. <laughs> Perish the thought. They are coming to take you back into slavery in Egypt. And Israel is panicking. And rightly so, humans. Red Sea, nowhere to go. Dead end. Enemies coming, and God is saying, Do what? Stand still. Do you know what stand still mean? Stand still mean be patient. Hallelujah. What patience? That is what God is calling for. Say, so In my salvation, I require you to fear not, but be patient. Faith. Stand still. Don't be agitated. Maybe, maybe you are hearing me t t today, but you are so agitated. Mentally, you are, not, you are unstable. Those who love you, you've, you've, you've shut the door on them because you, because you think they are, they are a nuisance. And I'm talking about your Christian brothers, brothers and, and sisters. You think they are a nuisance, so, so you shut the door on them. And you are going through this, 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 this quiet uh, um, this, this, this challenging moment alone, all by yourself, traumatized. But I've come to tell you, God is saying, fear not, stand still, be patient. Be patient. Patiently stand. Remove the fear, remove yourself out of the fear. Cast the fear off. Cast your mind on the bigness of God. See what God did in Egypt. See how when you were so close to them, God dealt with the Egyptians. He caused calamities in their camp, but in your camp, there was nothing going on. He killed all their firstborn sons, but saved yours. Think about all this and be still and be calm. Remember the things that the Lord God has done for you. Remember the many salvations he's brought you through. Remember the many deliverances that God has brought you to and be calm and remain still. Stand still and see the salvation of God. This is the word of God unto us today. That unto you is born this day in the city of David. A savior, Christ the Lord. But stay calm. God bless you. Amen. We want to pray. Maybe you are hearing me today. You are not born again. You can hardly stay calm. You're full of trouble. Your mind is divided. You've turned, people have let you down. Banks, politicians, organizations, whatever, they've all let you down. You can find no hope, no salvation anywhere. You can find deliverance nowhere else. But I've come to tell you today, unto you is born this day a savior who is Christ. But he requires that you come into relationship with him. It begins by repenting. It begins by you saying, Lord Jesus, today I turn my back on this life of sin. I'm going to serve you and surrender unto him right now. Surrender to him right now. As I'm talking to you, 
Wherever you are, stop. If you are driving, just stop and pray. If you're in your living room, just lift, just, just, just get up and bow your knees and, and talk to him and say, Lord God, forgive me. Today, I let you go. I want to experience your salvation, which this preacher is talking about. Turn. Talk to him and say, Lord, save me. Save me. Remove my sin from me. Wash me by the blood. Talk to him. Tell him. Come and live in my heart. Give me your life. I want to serve you. And, I want, and let me experience your salvation. Call him in. He wants to save you. He delights in, sa in saving. He delights in saving. He, 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 he is called the God of salvation. He delights in saving. And he wants to save you. But his salvation requires that you remove all the anxiety from you. Call him right now. Maybe you, will, maybe you are already born again. But the fact is you are full of fear. You are trembling, full of anxiety. Yes, and it's rightly so, because you're human. But today you've learned that God says to, said to his people, be still. Fear not and be still. Put away the fear. Calm yourself down. And wait patiently for my salvation. For how God is going to bring the salvation, you have no clue. That's why he's saying be patient and wait. He's never late. He's always right on time. Begin to thank him. Begin to thank him. And if you have never, and you've, been, and you've been full of anxiety and trouble, you want to say, Lord, forgive me for all this that I've put myself through. Now I realize you, unto me, you've blessed me with a Savior, Christ the Lord. You who saved me from sin, you would also save me from my challenges and difficulties. Oh, you who saved spiritually, you also saved physically. And I thank you, Father. And I look forward to it. I bless your name. I give you praise and glory. And the saints say, Amen. 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 I also want to pray for anyone that's not well. I pray that God Almighty will heal you. God heal you. From the crown of your head to the sole of your foot. Receive healing in the name of Jesus. And if today's your birthday, may the Lord God Almighty cause this other year to be a blessed one on, for you. And may this understanding characterize your year that you have a savior and this savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's no need to fear but to stand still for God's salvation. God bless you. Amen. Amen. The word of God, I must say to you, is quick and the word of God is living. The word of God is not just a mere written text. The word of God is living. It's a living thing. When the word of God proceeds, when it comes out from the mouth of God, as Matthew puts it, when it comes out from the mouth of God, it is a living and active word. Powerful able to effect change and change things it is not a dead letter God's word is living I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God it is active it is powerful